fake, fake, fakety fake. I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, then talk about Chinese billionaires with my friend Caitlin. Great. This episode, we will be covering the week of November 25th. How are you, Caitlin? I'm doing well. I have exciting news that I just finished a revision for a manuscript for publication. So I'm really excited about that. Getting published is awesome. Gonna be a sociologist. Yeah, it's exciting. Is that no? (laughs) Is that that official? Like you publish? That's now you're the. I don't know. That's what. That's a question, and it goes for any field of research as well. I want to know at what point does someone become like an anthropologist or like a philosopher or an economist? When, when does it, when's the threshold? Or like, how long do you have to not be in it? Because like I got a publication last year, but I've since stopped doing my PhD. So it's like, am I still a, a philosopher or not? Were you ever? I don't know. I have one publication. I passed my comprehensives and I still have a master's degree in philosophy. These are questions. I am a master at it. Maybe people can answer it in like the comments. Because <laughs> these, these are questions. No, it's serious. I've been I mean, trying to ask. I'm having a philosophical discussion right now about the nature of careerhood in academia. Yeah. No, I want to know. Like, I actually would like to hear people's opinions on this because it is really opinionated. I don't think there's actually a legal standpoint of when you become no i think it is opinionated i have a lower threshold i'm willing to call you a sociologist oh thanks. you've done it <laughs> i am a sociologist i've embodied sociology like I, it's just merged into me and we are one nice yeah but it would be interesting just to hear people's opinions so indeed so i had mentioned this in our shakedown breakdown of chapter one <laughs> but we are going to be experimenting with ways to make the show a bit more accessible so you'll notice us adding new things or trying to shorten the episodes into smaller chunks as much as we can uh and then please let us know if you like any of the changes so we can help make the show better since we want more people to be informed about the bad right-wing arguments that we're covering on the show and with that being said since this is the beginning of the month of december we would like to thank our laurentian elite members you're talking about the laurentian elites folding from laurentian elites canada's laurentian elite and we have tim brian and our newest patron sarah congrats yes thank you we are forever grateful for supporting us uh, this early if you would like to join these awesome humans and support what we do, please consider donating at patreon.com slash imperial news. That's it for an introduction. So now, the Imperial Roundup! Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy! I'm a weirdo. This is going to be an interesting week. You got a lot of China stuff, and that's going to be our main focus. But even then, there wasn't a lot for me to sort of pick apart. So the first day is actually we're going to go into a bit more detail because, like, I started digging into things that actually weren't directly relevant (laughs) to what Ezra was saying. But you'll see how they they kind of uh, uh, play a role and are interesting. The first episode on December 2nd, Ezra plays a video clip of an alleged Chinese police interrogation. And I say alleged because I can't f- like verify that this is actually a police interrogation from China. And the police are interrogating this guy. 
because he posted uh, a post that's critical of the police in mm-hmm. China on social media. And the man is in what's called a tiger chair. It's kind of a device that's like you you have your arms on this table and there's like uh, restraints over your arms and the rest of the chair like prevent movement. So it's got these bars everywhere. So you're basically locked into this chair. And they're asking him questions about a social media post. And then they basically talk about this uh, social credit system in China. I know about that. Yep. I was going to ask you if you knew about it. So mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know, China has instituted a social credit system. I don't think it's gone into its full effect yet. They're like releasing Yeah, I'm not it really and... sure actually like how it looks well, or like the logistics of it. I just understand the concept and overarching idea. Yeah. I don't know everything either. And as I said, they're rolling it out. So I don't think it's suppo- supposed to be fully implemented until next year. And what the thing is, is basically you get points taken off by doing things that are socially unacceptable. So, for example, jaywalking, walking dogs without leashes, uh, eating on a train. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, And so these things are if you get caught, you get put like docked from your social credit. You can also like earn rewards for doing things that I guess takes you from being low social credit to higher social credit. And some of the punishments are unique as well. So they include being given slower internet, uh, <laughs> exclusion from private schools, but also being banned from flying on planes. And so oh some of these things are, are like what people really Do react to. Do you watch to. Black Mirror? Uh, no. Oh what did they do gosh. an episode about this? This is literally a whole episode. <laughs> no, well, I no. guess is maybe they like took that from the. the they were like the. Chi- <laughs> Could you imagine they're watching Netflix and they're like, "This is a great idea. We're going to implement it. We're <laughs> passing this through tomorrow. Fantastic." No, I meant it the other way around. Where Black Mirror got the idea from China. But the concept of the show basically is this girl. It's a kind of set in the future but like not too too far future but not too near future it's this kind of a social media app where you get people to like you for certain acts that you take in your everyday life so maybe like smiling a certain way or you know bringing someone coffee at work um yeah or offering to throw someone's trash out they'll give you like likes which up your your score and so this girl's really trying hard to get a certain score so she can move into this gated community and you mm-hmm. need a certain point scale um, to get into that gated community. She also has this like old childhood friend who wants her to be the maid of honor and want, and her friend has like a really, really high point um, on the system. So she's like, Oh my gosh, this friend who's like disowned me because I'm on the lower rankings of yeah, this. Yeah. This yeah. It does, for sure. And then the friend's really wealthy. She's marrying another wealthy guy. They're very, you know, attractive looking too. And so there, there's things that get attached to it that perpetuate uh, inequality. She ends up swearing, I believe, at a, uh, to go catch her flight at the flight attendant. And the flight attendant lowers her point. And then because her point was like one below what you can have to take the flight, they told her she couldn't board the flight. And then she gets really upset, visibly upset. And then everyone on in the line 
that's behind her is like disliking her, oh, so she's like, making her score oh. go down even lower, and she's losing it because she's like, I can't, I need to go. This is my best friend, and they're like making it worse for her. And then she has to have a certain score to rent a certain car, so she goes to rent a certain car, and she can't rent like the nicer the like the functional vehicles yeah, yeah. because her score is too low, so she has to take this like shitbox car. It's just really cool, and she ends up at the end of the show having like a total mental psychotic breakdown because of all these fucking points, right? But like, <laughs> it was a really good episode because the point they were trying to make is that this kind of like in social media, how uh, likes and comments and presenting your uh, yourself in a certain way become almost like currency, right? Yeah, and it's not just you know you show up for work, you get money. That, that exchange doesn't really exist anymore. The social credit program like China is talking about has other inequalities or it's exacerbating the existing inequalities, especially class inequalities that are already there, right? So Yeah, there's one thing that's like subtly different, which is that I think the points are adjudicated by the Chinese government itself, like through an administrative. Oh, so it's like it's a, a, so, so it's not like somebody on the street who's like fuck you. Just like you. Just, just like you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that doesn't necessarily make it any better, but it is one like difference, and maybe it is a different that, that does difference that does matter because there was one thing that I wanted to touch on, which is that there's some element of hypocrisy in how people on the right cover a system like this. Which is that our own police forces and laws do similar things. So there's like tons of videos that have come out lately of police officers arresting and escorting people off of uh, train platforms for eating and other things. And that's not necessarily implementing some sort of like social credit score, but it's showing that like there's certain behaviors that we don't approve of and use our strong arm of the law to like force people into proper <laughs> accordance, right? Yeah. And we also levy heavy fines on people for these activities. So something like jaywalking. Maybe we don't dock for social credit, but we make people pay money if they get caught by a cop or something like that. That's not to say that obviously this isn't authoritarian. <laughs> like I can perceive uh, a ton of ways in which the Chinese system can and will be abused. I also heard that companies will give you discounts. Based on your social credit? Yeah. So if you have a certain score on the social credit, they'll allow you to have like a 10% discount at their stores or even more so, right? Or have access to certain products that other people wouldn't be able to. We, we have companies that would like ban like homeless people out of their store and stuff like that. But this that, is, right? yeah, know? this is what I'm thinking, even though it's administrated by the Chinese government, right? Like a, it's just going to exacerbate class inequalities right. that already exist because the people that we're going to perceive as disobedient is going to be people who right. are usually homeless, right? Exactly. And then not only homeless, but people that are in lower income um, tax brackets as well, right? And already struggle a lot of times. Well, for example, one of the ways to get rewarded in some counties in China is to out people who are uh, Uyghurs or a part of the Falun Gong spiritual movement. Mm. So the, the Uyghurs thing, like a lot of people know about this, which is that China has set up camps where they're basically trying to uh, remove the culture of Muslim Chinese uh, that live in the country. So basically make them non-Muslim by sending them to these like re-education camps. And it's very frightening. A lot of people have been comparing them to kind of like the concentration camp or concentration camps in Nazi Germany. And I wouldn't say that they're there yet, 
something to keep our eyes on because you <laughs> like you never know when things can turn in a way. But from what I gather, what the camps are doing is basically trying to demuslify them by punishing them for doing Muslim things. And, That's yeah. awful. It is very awful. The the fallen gong people are a lot more interesting, and we'll get to them in a second. But they're another like uh, spiritual practice that the Chinese government has been trying to uh, squelch or like get rid of. So there's ways in which this clearly has been, like it's kind of authoritarian if you're telling your civilians to out other civilians in order to get points on your social credit uh, is a little bit uh, creepy. Uh, That's a little fascist. Yeah. Well, the other, so this is another authoritarian thing that they've been doing is they've been playing some of the people who've been blacklisted for having low credit scores at like movie theaters. So you go to see the movie and before your movie plays, they'll like flash like the mug shots of the people who've been blacklisted. And they've also been displaying their faces on like giant LED screens uh, of buildings and stuff like that, which uh, again, not cool. I mentioned the the comparison with the U.S. and Canada stuff, not to engage in some kind of like whataboutism, which is like a typical thing that like fascist states like to do, which is like, well, what about you? You guys do the bad things too, right? I don't want to be saying that. It's more that the right wing tends to recoil at authoritarian overreach in foreign countries. But my guess is that Ezra and all those law and order types would be the ones promoting hardcore oppressive policies here in Canada even though they're trying to fearmonger about what's happening in foreign countries. So, for example, you never hear Ezra talking about the separating of children at the border in the United States. Yeah, with ICE, right? Never, of course. And I bet if that topic did come up, you would argue it in a way that would be like, that's acceptable. They're breaking the law. They're entering the country illegally. They should be taken away, like majority of right-wing commentators say, right? Yeah. So I don't want to play the game of like China's like, a saint and good and we <laughs> definitely not no they're definitely not good but like we should be careful in the far right is singling them out for being supremely bad uh, as the kind of like i just yeah du jour. yeah yeah however now that we've uh we finished highlighting why ezra is playing this clip so remember this all comes from this clip of the chinese man being interrogated i learned some weird things in my search to find the source of this video when I started, the only English stories I could find on this video were all linking to Ezra's tweet, okay. which I thought was like super weird. <laughs> but then the the other thing I noticed was that at the end of the video, this logo flashes across the screen and it says Himalaya Global Workstation. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So this is a YouTube account. And when I started watching the videos, most of them were in Mandarin, and I don't speak Mandarin, mm-hmm. so it's uh, the best I can do is get Google to translate the titles for me, but I have no clue what the people are saying in the video. But a lot of the videos that they have promoted on their site are translations into Mandarin from talks given by Steve Bannon. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, videos that promote like military intervention with China. So basically, one thing that Steve Bannon has done is he set up this uh, old Cold War group that's called the Committee Committee on the Present Danger. And throughout like US history, it's been uh, focused on different things. So it used to be focused on Soviet Russia. Then it was focused on, say, terrorism. And now mm-hmm. they're like, Committee on the Present Danger, China edition. All the videos have like 
giant eagles and like Ew. jets <laughs> and uh like u.s military like like very very pro-military they frequently cite stuff from the epoch times if you don't know what the epoch times is it's a newspaper that mostly focuses on chinese news and it tends to be pro-trump and anti-chinese government to the extent where they even publish things like QAnon conspiracies. And in Germany, they have uh, an association with the far right with uh, groups like Begida. Hmm. Now, the, ma- the newspaper itself is actually uh, run and organized by the Falun Gong spiritual movement in China, which is being oppressed in China right now. And so there- there's this interesting thing of like, this weird meditation cult thing that's being oppressed, but they're siding with the far right outside of China to like fight China and setting up newspapers and like very weird what's going on here. And to get like what's weird about this cult too is they have bizarre beliefs such that uh, aliens visited the earth a hundred years ago and that race mixing leaves people physically and intellectually incomplete. Well, now I don't feel bad for them. I feel like trying to <laughs> send them to re-education that far but there's certainly like things to worry about with this uh group i don't they, need to, they all need therapy That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the meditation that they do in the cult is clearly not helpful no, uh, no. they're not very clear of mind it sounds yeah no so i mean there's like weird things going on there you also notice when we get to alex that a lot of far-right groups tend to be into this weird super occultish alien stuff and i don't they know why it. that is i love it i love yeah. how much they love it <laughs> it's no honestly that kind of stuff though like there's just groups of people who don't believe in right-wing tendency like they aren't in their everyday life like they if you said like do you think women are inferior to men they would be like no i'm like do you do you hate gay people they'd say no do you think black people are committing white genocide they'd be like no absolutely that's crazy why would you say something but then did you know that earth's resonating at a frequency of 10 yes <laughs> and then i'm like where did you get that from but they'll, they'll preach it and then they'll show you like an instagram post and it's fucking alex jones yeah. <laughs> or it's it's fucking joe rogan i fucking hate joe rogan i wondered and this is something that i've always speculated which is that there's something the the people who are attracted to those things are very credulous and so it's very easy for them to move from like these this weirdo spiritualism stuff to them being okay with kind of like people who sort of like attach that weird spiritual stuff to far-right stuff yeah which is why i saw a lot of them a lot of the new agey people that i knew in my life we're totally on board with Jordan Peterson. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. But for them, but like, I get he that. said a lot of the things in between the like clearly fascistic bullshit that Peterson what I, was saying. Yeah, but what I think it is, is I think a lot of it is people are, as a whole, it's hard now. It's a lot harder than it was even like a decade ago for a lot of people. And there's just different groups that are trying to create meaning out of these structural issues. Like for like for instance, okay, I just talked about my publication, not to like promote myself. But one thing <laughs> I, I, I found was that men are actually having higher rate, not higher rates, but they're more likely today 
than women back then to be in part-time temporary and self-employed, like precarious forms of self-employment than women are today. Women are actually more likely to enter standard employment than they were back then. And when you compare the two groups, we're actually seeing a harmonization between men and women in their rates of non-standard employment. Well, non-standard employment sucks. Like, let's be honest, people will in the academic world argue this, but it's bullshit, right? There's no uh, legislation around precarity. There's no like consistent income, consistent hours, consistent future, right? Like it's just ridiculous that people would ever argue that non-standard work like part-time employment is secure and good. And and because there's this growth of it though, it's there's a growth because we have see the intensification of capitalism, the intensification of neoliberal policies. Like like I mean, it started in the eighties, but they just keep getting worse with deregularization and privatizing yeah. out everything. And people are so unaware of that. The fact that we outsource a lot of the good manufacturing jobs to other countries, such as like China, uh, and mainly Bangladesh, though automation is the biggest one. That's yeah. for sure. Automation, the fact that we do automation in a way to actually privilege employers and people are feeling those consequences but instead of being critical of these structural issues that are going on and these very small group of people that control all of that and being critical of those groups they become they like attach themselves to different things and so i i've told you this many times i've dated a guy that was totally into that esoteric spiritual bullshit drives me crazy and he would show me something like Jordan Peterson sometimes. At the time, I didn't know who Jordan Peterson was. Now I'm looking back at it and I was like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe you showed me that. And I was like, just indifferent to it. That's awful. Or he loved Joe Rogan. Still to this day, I'll fight with him about fucking Joe Rogan. Because Joe Rogan is a horrible human being. He's transphobic. He's sexist. He's misogynistic. Yeah. He's just really horrible to women all in general. Like he's just such a horrible piece of shit. Like there's no other way to explain it. But it's like... They feel something, they, they feel lost in their lives. They feel the pressures of these structural it's issues. It's a search for meaning. And they yes. Feel like they get They're it like, it's the aliens. That's why life is so hard today. <laughs> it's gotta be the aliens. Our Mercury was in retrograde. Yeah, it's like a, a weird sense because this is like my own history. I used to be a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Going like, I mean, I can see why you believe it though. Like, that's the thing. It's just like, I love the arguments because they're actually like a little compelling. I get it. Yeah, but like for me, it did feel this kind of like superiority is the wrong word, but a kind of like, I have the hidden knowledge. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. If only these other people would just wake up to all the hidden knowledge that I have. Sheeple. Yeah. And it feels empowering. Gotta be a shepherd. Yeah. And it's a way of feeling special in a world that, as you just described, doesn't, you're not special. You're just a cog in this capitalist machine who's now like searching for precarity, precarious work after precarious work. And it's a way of having meaning where there is none, uh, which is like a sad state of it. But like that, that's how it is. No, you're, you're correct. Or it's just like, I get the whole meaning making, but it's also like, it's so much difficult it's so hard just to like critically think about the structural problems because you feel helpless. Yeah. Like I just remember in my second year and my undergrad in sociology, like learning about like Karl Marx's theories and just being like, wow, this, the world fucking sucks. I feel like shit. I'm depressed all the time. I'm always thinking about it. I, my students that I teach, I teach them second year sociological theory. And uh, last year they would tell me, wow, now you like, 
make me think about things, Caitlin. Like that's just, <laughs> I had two of my students visit me the other day and they were like, I'm so much more critical of everything now. Thank you. But also screw you because like I was happier before. Isn't there that movie like they, We Live or They Live where he puts on the sunglasses and he can see like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, it ends up being aliens. <laughs> yeah. So. Don't, Whoa, full circle. Don't. Yeah, no, it's not aliens. It'll be like consume, right? Like on yeah. the, yeah. Yeah, I get what, I know exactly what you're saying. But there's like far right groups that take clips from that movie and say, look, it's the new world order. It's they're after us. It's white genocide. Yeah, I right? from like, Slavoj Žižek has done it, but like he does it with the Marxist spin. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of these movie references can be like utilized by both sides. It's like, you've, you've exposed it. But relevant to this episode too when we get to them i think the reason that got me out of uh 9-11 conspiracy theories was actually alex jones because he's so even fucking crazy well, because he's so crazy that for me all the people i associated with who are also conspiracies that believed him made me realize that the whole thing's got to be nonsense because there's no way that anyone could listen to him and come away thinking that this shit's legit. Well, even in that case, like thinking of 9-11, thinking of the structural issues that actually caused that event to occur is depressing to think about. And, and it, complicated and it, complex. It's, yeah. It is complicated and complex. And it's also like... It's much easier to have a simplified narrative that there's some like secret hidden group that were the, like orchestrated the whole thing than to think that really there's just this messy world geopolitics that some people are disadvantaged here here and they make deals here and here yeah exactly One thing leads to another and they're flying planes in the air. yeah it is it's complex i think it's difficult to accept too that that happened and like people died if, it, if it's like you know someone blew up the building internally it's an inside job kind of thing it's almost just like exposing these people those people's deaths yeah. won't go to vain right but the fact that it was a terrorist attack it's almost like I don't know. Like I just feel and like people, and there's almost no way. It's more I mean, depressing. Like, people can't handle with, like, it. Terrorism, which is hard, which is like why Alex Jones making about like false flags all the time. You know, like it, it makes you think like there's an easy way to solve it. All you have to do is uncover the secret organization, which really isn't easy to begin with because there is no, no secret organization. You're never going to uncover it. Yeah, but it it almost feels like you can do something about it, where it's like realizing that we live in a world where people are depressed and search for meaning find these groups online get self-radicalized like but i think that's where far right comes from as well i think all these people are suffering in the same capacity as everyone yeah. else but i think instead of actually looking at the structural issues they would rather blame it and scapegoat their issues on a on a certain group of people like muslims for example um or, or like people of color and or saying china. that they're trying to commit white genocide <laughs> i guess we can get into china though but yeah well yeah but i mean like China and Islam seem to be the two sort of scapegoats and often like scapegoated as like women too get scapegoated yes women yeah. too uh, for the feminazis and, oh like, yeah yeah I get it all the and trans time. people those are like the four main enemies of Ezra's show anyway so just to, to move on so these YouTubers that do these videos like so I basically stumbled into this like nexus of like weird Chinese conspiracy uh, thinking and they also support this one individual who I wanted to highlight and his name is Guo Wangjue. And he also goes by the name Miles Kwok. And together with Steve Bannon, he has set up what's called the Rule of Law Society, which is to push back against the Communist Party in China. And it's funded by Miles because Miles is a billionaire who's also a Chinese exile seeking refugee status in the United States. 
Now, Guo or Miles remains a bit of a mysterious figure. It's not even clear uh, how old he actually is, uh, having to do with variations in his own story, but also issues with the documentation. And some journals aren't, uh, journalists aren't even sure if Guo Wangjue is his real name. So he's just this weird dude. He actually got rich after moving to Beijing prior to the 2008 Olympics, playing a part in building some of the, the buildings for the Olympics. And then he fled China around 2014 after one of his business partners was detained with uh, allegations of money laundering. And later he was accused of the same thing. And now the Chinese government is through like Interpol seeking to have him extradited to China. Mm. But uh, because U.S. and China don't have a, an agreement with that, they're not sending him there. Now, since then, Miles has uh, made accusations about top Communist Party members who he was involved in that circle, including, say, extramarital affairs, but also corruption. And the Communist Party has since made claims about Miles and further uh, arrest warrants, including bribery, corruption, and rape. Hmm. So... <laughs> Great stuff. The, the other weird thing is there has been some accusations in America claiming that Gual is really a communist, Gual or Miles, whatever you want to call him, he's really a communist party spy, hmm. since he's also a member of Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. And there, there was like a complication having to do with uh, a Chinese party member coming to Mar-a-Lago with a USB stick that got detained. It was like a story of like a year ago. And he was there while that was happening. But there's also this weird incident where Guao is uh, suing a security group that he hired to dig up dirt on China. And they're like an American uh, company. And the security group is actually now countersuing him. So he was suing them for not doing the job. And they're suing him because they think that there's like issues going on with him. So, for example, he had given them USBs to like uh, with information and to help like fight the Chinese only to find out that the USBs that he gave them were full of like malware that seemed linked to like the communist party in China. <laughs> and so it's just like weird stuff going on with this guy. And <laughs> the, the, the reason why I want to talk about him is because he, he reminds me of this kind of like strong man figure. So like his, he makes these videos all in Mandarin. He barely speaks English. But he'll be like working out while like doing <laughs> videos and like, or he'll be on his yacht and he drinks coffee out of like fine cristal and like, what? He, he's a billionaire. He owns, he owns a, a apartment that overlooks uh, Central Park in New York and it costs like $48 million or something like this. Uh, so super crazy guy. And he does these videos and they're being promoted by all these conspiracy networks online. As like, this is going to be the guy who's going to bring down China. <laughs> and of course, he's working with Steve Bannon. And so it's like, it's hard to tell like, whether the activists got into Steve Bannon because of a figure like him, or if like, it's all just intermingling. But there's this weird right wing cultivation that's going on there of all these connected right wing figures. And so even within the sort of like, Hong Kong separatist kind of independence movement. They're sort of split on how to take a figure like Guo seriously. 
is because some of them are like, he's really, you know, he's got all this dirt, he's going to help us. Even though none of the dirt has been verified, so <laughs> no one even knows whether or not he, like, actually has dirt on the Communist Party or not. Yeah. Uh, but then some activists are like, we need to stay clear of this guy. So it's just, it's super weird. And I, part of like the reason why I'm saying this is because I have nowhere to go on this. Like, <laughs> that's kind of like where the story ends for us now. But it's almost like we're in the middle of something. Because like, I remember when uh, Gamergate was happening, which was a thing back in like 2005, which was that you had these like kids online getting mad at like game reviewers and stuff like this. And what grew out of that was kind of the alt-right that then took on Donald Trump. There was, like, a lot of, like, overlaps there. And I kind of wonder if similar things are happening in China where you have these, like, YouTube accounts all talking about the same topics, all engaging in, like, QAnon conspiracies, sharing Steve Bannon stuff, sharing this Guao guy, and they're all creating these networks. And so it's just, like, interesting to, like, keep an eye on that because, like, who knows where that's going to go in terms of, like, uh, reaction to China because it's clear that these groups want like military intervention with China which is kind of not good after the segment with the dude in the chair Ezra decides to interview Gordon Chang who we talked about uh, two weeks ago I think and they claim that Canada is becoming a Chinese colony <laughs> and claiming that China companies are building telecommunication towers in Canada and will be able to steal our data and censor us and this is actually similar claims that Guao has made. So there's interesting overlaps uh, there. He even said in one of his interviews with Vice News, this Guao guy, that the Chinese hacked his cell phone and then somehow were able to like disable his yacht through his like cell phone. So anyways. <laughs> they disabled his yacht? That's what he says. Is so it like computer operated? Is that what it is? I don't know. Like it, what, what does his yacht run on? That's... Well, this is where, like, we reach a limit in my understanding, because... Is it an electronic yacht? Is it, like, well, I don't know. iPad controlled? It could be, like, maybe it's I don't think to so. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's very easy to make wild claims about technology and the things that the Chinese government can do with it, especially with me, because, like, I don't understand technology. So something like building the telecommunications network. So part of it is Huawei is like working with the Canadian government to try to get a contract to build 5G towers in Canada. And Ezra is making it seem like by building this network that somehow Huawei is going to have control over Canada. Like, I don't know that that's the case. Yeah, no, that just uh, makes zero sense to me. Yeah. But even like hacking in. So what are they going to do? Hack in, control our lives? They're going to hack into your brain yeah, and get you? They don't really explain. Well, here's the funny thing. It's this Gordon Chang guy. Like, we talked about it last time he was on. He wrote a book called The Coming Collapse of China in 2001. And now he's saying China is, like, colonizing Canada. So are they collapsing or colonizing? Like, what are they? <laughs> They're expanding. Yeah. The other thing is every time Ezra talks about the Hong Kong issue, he mentions the fact that China could massacre the protests. And he does it in this interview, too. He's like, we've got to be careful because, like, the Chinese, if you go in there and just massacre all the Hong Kong people... And I want to say, like, a lot of these, like, conspiracy channels online, the, the Chinese conspiracy channels, they had a lot of theories about how the Chinese uh, government is building ovens on the outskirts of Hong Kong that, like, at any moment it could become, like, Nazi Germany. And <laughs> I can find no evidence that this is the case. But again, this is, like, all the, like, weird conspiracy networks that they're doing. Yeah. 
December 3rd, I would have to say this is one of the most pointless episodes yet. So Ezra begins by talking about the meeting in NATO between Trump and Trudeau. And Ezra criticizes a point that Trudeau makes. Uh, so basically, Trump asks him a question about military spending. And he's like, so how much do you spend? And Trudeau on the spot gives a number. And he was off by like a couple of percentage points. And then, <laughs> and then Ezra says that he was wrong and proves that Trudeau was wrong with a CBC fact check, even though he doesn't I like he's CBC. the media party. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. The media party. And then, <laughs> and then says this means that Trudeau has now like promised that he's going to increase military spending, what? which is like that's that's he just gave an estimate by being put on the spot. And then like uh, he goes on by saying Trump is better at getting answers out of Trudeau than our fake news media, but it's like. You did. You all you could have done was like read how much we spend on. Like you didn't need to hear that from Trudeau or like. Yeah. Anyways, it's so fucking stupid. And then he interviews. So it gets even worse. So then he interviews this person named Mary Margaret Ohuluhan, who is a reporter from the Daily Caller, which is Tucker Carlson's online news site, and she's on to talk about how the media has been so mean to Melania Trump. She's so beautiful, and they won't let her on magazines. <laughs> like great i'm glad we're talking about this so that was that was the third <laughs> and then on the fourth uh ezra is again talking about huawei which is like okay she sure. loves them and then he gets on sheila and kian to talk about this global warming summit in madrid so he's sending kian and sheila to madrid hmm. and i think that's happening this weekend so we're going to hear about Kian and she, and then the other thing is like they're going to be outside the conference because they're not insiders, they're rebels. And they're going to be, be like hustling to go harass and stalk people <laughs> on the streets. Yeah, it's exactly what's going to be happening. Yeah, and then they're going to be like, "Why won't you answer our questions? Answer us! Yeah. You're scared of the truth." Yeah. Like, things like that. Right? Global warming isn't real. What do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, "Fuck off." So then on December fifth. They're talking about how China is censoring people in Canada with WeChat. And they didn't give any any examples that this is happening. So I was just like, whatever. <laughs> so again, China. China, China, China. China, China, China. China, 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 China. This whole whole week. And then they end with an interview with Manny and Montenegrino talking about uh, Trudeau being mean to Trump. That video that sort of went viral of uh, Boris Johnson and Macron and Trudeau and other people chatting and talking about how Trump took long in a press conference. So this is like, why is Trump being so mean? Or why is Trudeau being so mean to Trump? So then on December 6th, we're already at Friday, again this week. I, I had to add more stuff to this week to fill out the show. <laughs> I guess we had a bit of discussion on social yeah. credit programs and spirituality. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll have more to say during the Alex Jones. I thought there was going to be potential on the Friday. Because they had David Menzies filling in for Ezra. Oh, nice. And so I was like, David, <laughs> do oh, something nice. stupid. <laughs> but really, David's main segment is uh, he's mad about publication bans. That's like the whole thing. So he covers uh, a bunch of cases. One is uh, uh, an individual who was traveling to Turkey to get to Syria and was arrested on possible terrorist activities. He's like, there's a publication ban on that. The other is an individual who was recently uh, caught throwing feces at people. Oh, yes. uh, yeah, there's a publication <laughs> ban on that. The other is a woman who was shouting racial slurs while holding an Andrew Shearshine sign during the election. There's a publication ban on her. And then also a person who is uh, uh, 
did a roundhouse kick and kicked the phone out of someone's hand uh, who was asking him like questions about abortion or women's rights. I can't remember. This was a year ago, that case. Yeah, it was, it's a while ago, but there's a publication. Like I got that. fired. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. And, and then the Jessica Nick case. So it was like all these cases and there's all publication bans and it's all bad. But the stupid thing is uh, <laughs> one of the justifications for having a publication ban is the right to a fair public hearing. And in this sense, David is actually the reason for the publication bans because the cases that David cares about are the cases that involve like culture war issues that a propaganda news site like Rebel will want to talk about yeah. and produce potentially misleading information, therefore Biasing. ruining the chances of a fair trial, right? Yeah. So even if Menzies is right that these people are guilty of something, it's like, that doesn't matter. Like, the reason the so publication can... ban is there is because you, you idiot. Yeah, you can just <laughs> wait till they're done their trial, then go off. <laughs> yeah, really need to. Like, for people who go on and on and on about due process, like, that's one of the parts of due process is the right to a fair trial. I'm still amazed that Ezra got a law degree. <laughs> and then I got, like, super hopeful. I was, like, super hopeful because they were, like, the interview is going to be with Mark Morano. And I was like, David Menzies and Mark are going to talk about cannibalism again. <laughs> but uh, that's not what happened. Uh, it was a pre-recorded interview with Ezra. And all they, yeah, and all they talked about was now Mark's going to Madrid as well. And that was... That oh, was so it sounds like we're going to have a fun week next week yeah. then. Yeah. And that was it. So Ezra went on Alex Jones. Hmm. Infowars. Earlier in the week, Jones had a very special guest. And so we're going to play a clip. Ladies and gentlemen, it is December 3rd. 2019 on this live worldwide broadcast. I am your host, Alex Jones. And David Icke is our guest here today. He's got the floor here to talk about this non-human force that now has the planetary controllers openly saying they're building a post-human world, ladies and gentlemen a post-human world, and that humans are bad, and the environmental movement is going to save the Earth from the humans, and that all that's going to be left is humans that give up their original form. <laughs> so for those who don't know, David Icke is most known for his reptilian theories. <laughs> he believes that like most of the world's elites are really shape-shifting lizard people. We talked about the protocols of the Elders of Zion, so... Uh, Ike believes that these are in fact not forgeries, that the protocols are real, but are really the product of Jews through the reptilian oh, overlords. no. Yeah. <laughs> he also blames the Jews for both world wars and uh, blames them for anti-Semitism too. What? If they just didn't exist, then we wouldn't have world wars? Is that uh, Well, no, it's, it's that like... It was the infighting between Jewish families. But even he even brings <laughs> up Jews on the show. So like part of the show... Uh, or part of this, like, non-human force moving us to a post-human world or whatever that they're talking about has to do with this weird cult that he's calling the Sabbatean Frankist cult. And he argues that they're Jews that have infiltrated all these things. 
but then wants to distance himself from the idea that somehow this makes him uh, an anti-Semite. You follow other streams of this Sabbatean uh, Frankist cult, uh, and it infiltrated the Roman Catholic Church. It was the force, because the Rothschilds are Sabbatean Frankists, um, it was the force behind the creation of Israel. I have a, um, a chapter in the book called Atlantic Crossing, where I show how this cult moved in on the United States. It's in Britain, and um, it's, the, uh, it's an expert in infiltration. It will appear as anything it wants to um, infiltrate, and people will believe that, yeah, they really believe in whatever they claim to be, but they're working behind the scenes um, as the Donmet, the, um, the infiltrators. And uh, the deep state in America, at its core, is controlled by these Sabbatean Frankists. Um, and the uh, Israeli government, I'm not set talking about Jewish people. I mean, I've said in the book about three times, no one needs to read this book more urgently than Jewish people to see how they've been scammed by these infiltrates. Well, well, let's... If you're not following along, this cult, which is a secret cabal of Jewish people, has taken over every single world government. But yes. the Jews need to be aware of this, too, because they're being scammed somehow. So he's, like, Do trying they, to, like... Distance, Does, uh, do they want that? like the gold conductors? I don't know. They just want to. Control is that them. what it is? They want no, but they need like the gold from the humans to like <laughs> operate their alien spaceships. My ex boyfriend told me that oh. he went on about it. <laughs> Anyways, I just thought I'd share that because again, you for the protocols are not real. I'm just waiting for sacred geometry to come out <laughs> on us right now. <laughs> well, we're done. We're done with Ike. I didn't capture most of it because it's all the post-human shit and we don't need to, whatever. Which is like, here's the thing, it's not Alex Jones, he, he's not going to bring up lizard people. We have uh, David Icke on a show beforehand, but we also have uh, one of Ezra's good friends on the show before he's on. So Gavin McGinnis was on InfoWars. Gross. And he actually could be part of the reason why Ezra is on the show in the first place. This goes back to what we were saying about death culture. We no longer appreciate children. And Tommy Robinson at the Old Bailey, when they're throwing him into prison, it says above there in huge letters that we must protect the poor, the weak, the children of the world. In giant stone letters. And there he is getting thrown in jail for embarrassing a child rapist. Now, Britain is not that far from us. I know we like to think it's this crazy uh, oh no 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 we're, we're only two years behind him yeah that's what ezra levant says he's like it's like getting in a dystopian time machine where i can see where we're going to be in two to five years we should be wary of uk well that's the model and and, and you saw merkel on uh, monday she said we've got to get rid of speech to protect freedom well i'd say 60 percent <laughs> of young college students think that hate speech is not included in free speech in other words <laughs> Free speech is just there so you can argue if the Beatles are better than the Rolling Stones. Anything else? Sorry, that makes people uncomfortable. It's not included in free speech. By the way, I love no, Ezra Levant. The things he's done for free speech, the battles he's been through in Canada, I think the guy's a hero. I, I had my producer call him this week to try to get him on as a guest. He thought it was a prank call. So please tell Ezra that I want him on the show. I will. That guy is a warrior. He's uh, not traveling. The guy is in Paris one day. He's in... He's, he's just Tommy's Tommy's getting sued for like half a million pounds because he embarrassed a, a, a Muslim. 
Um, Ezra's over there for that. He's back in Canada. And I think he's going to get fried in this imminent YouTube purge. Ezra's like bland as toast, right? I know. <laughs> he's a warrior and a hero. But I love I love how they talk about him. Like, as you're saying, like he doesn't look the part of being the warrior or the hero that both McGinnis and Alex Well, every time I think of Ezra, uh, the like our logo with his face <laughs> just pops in my head. Just so unflattering. <laughs> yeah. But also notice the similarity in talking points between Ezra and Alex, like the Merkel stuff that he brings up, right? There really is this like right wing ecosystem where they all yes, share the story. It's true. It's just, I feel like Alex Jones is lower on their food chain in this ecosystem. Like, I can't, it's like he's more crazy, but I think because he's so crazy that it just becomes so unbelievable and so difficult, like, so easy to, like, debunk because he's just insane, like, the way he presents himself. But the weird thing in this case is I actually think that he's more valuable than Ezra. And the reason why I think that is just by sheer number of views so I think the only reason Ezra would stoop to going on his show is because he wants a part of Alex's audience. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it because now he's he's putting himself at risk with all these associations with all the other people that Alex has on his show that promote uh, very anti-Semitic stuff. And we'll get to one in a second. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I mean, there's a risk to going on it, but he's thinking that Alex has a bigger audience than me, and there's a way in for me to sort of, like, grab part of that audience. Yeah. We talked about the overt anti-Semite that Alex had on his show, and I didn't name his name, but we're going to have to because I wasn't expecting Ezra going on the show. So, the anti-Semite, his name is E. Michael Jones, and he's written several <laughs> books that are, like, overtly anti-semitic they're about jews taking over things and uh believes in the protocols all this stuff he's an anti-semite and and he's like quite proud of it too yes and anti-homosexual he's against pornography yeah we get it (laughs) well but the the pornography stuff gets like really weird so like that was like in part most of the focus of the alex michael or e michael jones interview was about pornography which is weird. You wouldn't think that that's something that Alex is against, but uh, he doesn't seem to push back so much on, on his guest. But there's this clip. I'm going to play this clip, which is basically E. Michael Jones uh, talking about a Jew who's wrote a book that Hitler was burning. Explain to people, Hitler... Hitler wanted sexual liberation and they used porn and stuff as well and wanted men to have a whole bunch of relationships. Why is that? Why do fascists want it as well? So I'm going to pause there because notice, let's put aside whether it's true or not. What Alex is trying to highlight is Hitler is bad. And the reason why he's bad is because Hitler was promoting the sexual liberation stuff. On the German people. Hmm. One of the one of the books that uh, Hitler burned were the books of Magnus Hirschfeld. Magnus Hirschfeld was the head of he was a Jew who was the head of the Institute for Sexualwissenschaft, and if he didn't exist, Hitler would have to create him. This was the type of abuse in Germany, a conquered country uh, after World War One. Suddenly, these people are let loose. People like Magnus Hirschfeld are let loose. And suddenly, the people are resentful. They don't want the corruption of their morals. 
and they turned to somebody like Hitler because he said he would straighten them out. So he's now contradicting what Alex just put forward, which was that Hitler burned the book of this Jew who was promoting sexual liberation. Hmm. Now, this, this, this could have happened, could have been stopped earlier. The uncle of Pope Benedict, the great uncle of Pope Benedict, wrote a book called Judisches uh, Erwerbsleben, uh, Georg Ratzinger. And he said, if the church doesn't step in and defend the people by enforcing the laws that protect the moral order, the German people are going to look for a leader. Well, guess what the German word for leader is? It's Führer. Sure. And they found it. They found their leader. This is the type of reaction we want to prevent here in America. And the way we prevent this is by open dialogue and able to, where we're able to, to criticize the people who have subjected us to this reign of pornographic terror. So his argument is that Hitler is the necessary result of a liberal society that believes in sexual liberalization. I mean, there's something that's somewhat true about that. To the extent that, yes, there is a reaction to that liberalization. He really didn't like it. And he would like, he really wanted to force this breadwinner, breadwinner nuclear family. In fact, women, a lot of, in Germany before World War II were very liber like liberated in the sense of like a lot of them were working outside of the home. Um, sexuality was a lot more open in Germany. And then when Hitler came in, that all changed because he promoted this, you know, 1950-esque housewife, even though that didn't exist at the time. That's yeah. that's the idea he was promoting. And he didn't like anything that promoted sexual liberation. The whole idea of the place of the woman was you were at home, you had babies, you cooked, you cleaned, you were a servant basically to your husband. Yep. That's that idea that that promoted. And so Alex Jones is just wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, Alex Jones is wrong, but notice what this E. Michael Jones guy is saying, because he's saying that, that in a way we need to squash sexual so liberation now. But well, he's saying so we don't get Hitler. But it sounds like what he's saying is that if we don't do that, we're gonna have Hitler, and that yeah. in a way that's a good. He wants what Hitler wants. He just wants it now without the authoritarianism. It's like he wants everyone to already be. He wants us to all mutually socially agree that that's acceptable right yeah so it's like he agrees with the and, and he and he also agrees with the idea that it's the jews like cultural marxists oh it's this idea that are like uh that are spreading the pornography uh he claims as well there's like other clips of him saying that uh israel is using porno pornography in palestine and like <laughs> it just like it always comes back to the Jews uh, with E. Michael Jones. So he's Gross. he's not yeah. as as you could also tell in this clip. Like he doesn't hide it. He's very explicit about the Jews being the ones that are orchestrating all of this. So that's that's who Alex has on his show before he has. So that was like the week before, and then Monday was David Ike, and then the Tuesday before Ezra Zahn was Gavin, and then you had uh, Ezra Yeah, on just the show. a bunch of pieces of shit. Yep. And here is Alex introducing Ezra. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm working on some just gigantic, unbelievable stories that are like something out of the X-Files, dealing with microchipping of homeless, medical experiments, FEMA camps. Uh, this stuff is just incredible, and it's all going on right under our noses as they get ready to try to implode the economy and bring in civil war. The Democrats admit that. You know, they've talked about plunging the economy to get rid of Trump. 
Uh, you've got the ongoing uh, impeachment where they're going to impeach the president in the House. That's indicting. And people say, oh, there's no evidence. He won't have any problems with the Senate. I believe they're going to trigger civil war violence during that period, and they're going to trigger racial events and false flags uh, to ram this through. You could feel it. You can see it. It's a very, very serious time. We also have the UN officially adopting the communist Chinese system for the Internet and for a digital world ID. And Ezra Levant, investigative journalist uh, and a man that founded and runs Rebel Media and so many other great organizations, is going to be joining us just in a moment. And this comes full circle back to this. You need to do your Christmas shopping at InfoWarsStore.com. The, <laughs> the prices are fantastic. <laughs> it runs its operation. <laughs> products that have been sold out that are now back in stock. Like the Super Silver Skin Cream that has the patented Nano Silver shield that's comfortable and nice in your skin with the acid and with a bunch of other vitamins and minerals. Women love this. Women are probably 30% of our audience, but it's mainly women that uh, you know, buy this up. It's got five-star reviews because they go, wow, this is really a high-end skin cream. Cream, oh, that's what I'm wondering. He transitioned into that so soon. <laughs> just like he's going for it, right? He does that all the time. Every episode he does that. Oh. The best was um just before Black Friday, he was like, We're having a blowout sale, never <laughs> ever before. It was just so good. I love it. Oh. He but, is he'd be a really good salesperson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh <laughs> so I mean like he for the next like few bits, like he's going back and forth between content and the advertisement, back and forth. Regardless of what happens, and it's going to come down to a last man standing. I don't want to be in that position. And it's good to know that Ezlor Vance out there. Ezlor. Uh, it's good to know <laughs> that Gavin McGinnis has got his freespeech.tv. Uh, it, it, it's good to know that, uh, you know, we've got folks out there like the Daily Caller. Fox is getting worse and worse because the deep state is making its move on everybody with levels of harassment that are unprecedented. So, Triple Patriot points, the biggest ever right now. That's 15% off on your next order. Uh, for shipping, 50 to 70% off. These are the biggest sales ever. I swear half of this show is him trying to sell his product. We can uh, move in the next year in the black into 2020. And we need to sell a lot of product to stay in the game because we're self-funded. We don't have Soros or other global sugar daddies. So again, InfoWarsStore.com. <laughs> the globalist sugar daddies. So Soros and globalists uh, fund everything else, which again, he's he's doing this sort of like. Uh, but doesn't like Ezra have Coke funding? Right. I mean, well, and and Ezra also talks about the globalists and Soros and all that. Yeah, it's that's just what's a, great about all of this. <laughs> so then he finally gets. So he's done going back and forth between the pitch and mentioning Ezra. That he finally gets to. Uh, introducing as Ezra. Finally. I almost yeah, screwed yeah. up the name, but here's like he brutalizes his name. So here it goes. Okay. Uh Ezra <laughs> Ezra Levant joins us. I am signed up right now. Ezra Levant is with rebelnews.com and still on Twitter for now at Ezra Levant on Twitter. And I wanted to get him on about a host of issues, but I said, hey, send me other topics you want to get into. Well most guests will send you two or three things. He sent me like 30 things. And they're all right on the same page I'm on because he gets it. He's in the zeitgeist as well. So as you can tell, the main thrust of the interview is about China. And Ezra gets Alex to play the same video of the police interrogation. And they then go into Huawei and the surveillance state where Alex trumps 
jumps right into a common narrative. The big thing people have to understand is we're not talking about, again, some fiction or a simulation. This is happening. It's unfolding. It has been abused. It is being abused. It is a post-human world where they admit AI is going to make all your decisions for you. Making humans obsolete is what all the big tech heads say is the singularity where their company takes over reality. And they're all competing for this. It's beyond any megalomania I've ever read about in a history book, and it's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he did, that. that's him giving tacit consent to this whole post-human bullshit, which is the exact same narrative that when he had David Icke on. I'm not saying that like- No, I feel, I feel like the tone to was, I feel like the tone was kind of like, yeah, like just like, okay, right? Like I'm well, on your I, show, I'm not gonna- Alex has these narratives about the post-human stuff, and Ezra isn't on here to push back on that. Well, they all. don't never have anyone on there that's going to push back. No. They don't invite people on to actually push back. The whole idea is to help confirm the the shit they're saying, so they'll bring in people that will confirm it, like David Icke, right? Yeah. So then uh, Alex calls uh, Ezra a hero. We're going to lose everything, our fundamental freedoms. This is dangerous. And I, I, I really get pissed off at men who are successful and smart who don't get engaged in this. Because I know you were already successful in business separately from media, but felt like you had to do it. So he says that Ezra was successful in business. I don't know that that's true. So I just want to say I admire people like you. I don't admire LeBron James. I don't admire, uh, you, know, uh, you know, even the star quarterback of, 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 of the New England Patriots, even though I like Tom Brady. Because it doesn't save my children's future. People like you are the heroes. And, and even with the audience of listeners, our audience you know, admires you. And I, pre I admire them because they admire people that are standing up for common sense. But since when is it heroic just to stand up against pure communist evil? I thought it was survival, Ezra. Isn't that really why you're doing what you're doing? Well, I mean, I, I share your, your, your view. I think... <laughs> Not everyone's built for fighting, though. Some people are conflict-averse. Some people have too much at risk. They'll be personally punished in some way. So I'm lucky in that I have the ability to speak out and no one can so fight boring. my own boss. That's why I'm worried about this contracted-out censorship. Listening to the contrast. An authoritarian-style prime minister or president can just pressure... Facebook, Twitter, and it's not like YouTube. it's coming. Start getting. I mean, this is a short segment, long segment coming up. I mean, they're trying to silence you. Yeah. The, the prime minister just lost in court against you. I mean, the contrast is amazing. Like yes, Alex is yeah. so much more of a salesman. Like he's. It's just so animated, yeah. right? And then you. <laughs> which is why, like, I think I've I've had this chat with some of the people in like the Facebook group, which is that my initial impression, having not begun the podcast, was that Ezra was a bit smarter. And I feel like I had that impression because of his tone and delivery. Yeah. Where it's like, I really think he's just as stupid and crazy as Alex is. He just doesn't have the Well, well you listen to it all week. I don't. So yeah. to me, I'm just like. I mean, the only difference is like Ezra would never go down the line of like having a David Icke on a show and talking about the possibility of like non-humans controlling us. No, I, like, I think he tries to give it a lighter version than um, other people like like Alex Jones. No, I think, and I think the boring voice is kind of part of that pitch. It's to be like, I'm irrational. I'm a well, cool I, I could, I'm a... I could definitely see my mom listening. 
yeah. to the rebel and thinking, wow, this guy's got really great ideas. Actually, I shouldn't say much because my mom signed a <laughs> petition for True North Initiative. Granted, it was that Don Cherry petition. I mean, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but I am looking for any adoptions because I would like to disown my family. So if you would want to adopt me, I am more than willing. All because she signed a Don Cherry petition. It's not even that. Jody, she's talking to, um, uh, what's her name? Candace. Malcolm? Yes. They're emailing each other back and forth. Candace is responding to my mom. And my mom's been sending me the emails that she's been oh, getting back. Oh, you gotta back. give that to us. We gotta report on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, if, you wanna, if you wanna pause it, I could get them up. No, we'll, no. we'll cover it on another day. When, when Candace is back on the show, we'll do... Uh... Yeah. Caitlin's mom and Candace. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a they they communicate with one another. So I am looking <laughs> for a family to adopt me. Please help. So Alex really wants Ezra to talk about this court case and stuff like this. Like you notice at the end of that clip, he talks about how the prime minister was trying to silence you, and you won that court case. And for some reason, Ezra seems reluctant to talk about it because every time he brings it up, he moves it towards talking about Tommy Robinson's treatment in the UK. I'm not sure why that's the case. Maybe it's because he's currently going to be trying to proceed with uh, a lawsuit against the uh, election commission that I'm wondering if he feels like he shouldn't talk too much about it for those reasons. But uh, I don't know what the, the actual reason is. But he does uh, say that his biggest fear is being booted from Twitter and YouTube. But if he were truly uh, dark and smart, he would do what they did in the UK to Tommy Robinson. See, they're suing Tommy, they're prosecuting him, and they've actually thrown him in prison a few times. But the worst thing they ever did to Tommy was take away his Twitter, where he had a million followers, and his Facebook page, where he had a million followers. So that didn't require a trial. There was no hearing. He couldn't make a defense. He couldn't appeal. It was silent. And that's what truly worries me, Alex. There's still enough freedom in Canada that we're going to win some of the battles we have for free speech if it's in a real court. But what worries me is the merger between big tech and big government that will, will not be transparent. We won't know what goes on. We won't be able to look at our accuser. There will be no appeal. That's what's scary. And here in Canada, you ask how the rebel news started. Well, we used to have a real TV station that was on real TV. They called us Fox News. Well, sure, I mean, I knew the story. Cheap. I wanted you to tell folks. So start now, but we'll, t we'll yeah. talk about when we come back because it's fascinating. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a minute now to tell me when we have to go to break. But uh, we had 200 people. We were on cable TV. We were across the country. But then our regulator, our version of the FCC, injected us, basically aborted us, by having a regulatory ruling that made us unviable. So overnight, this TV network of 200 people that was pumping out a freedom narrative, a counter narrative to the media party, the government shut us down, not the viewers, not the audience. So, that, so then we started Rebel News out of the ashes of that. And luckily, we're not bound by that TV regulator. So we're freer. But we're not but big leftist organizations, Southern Property Law Center, ADL, they all call for you to be silenced. What dangerous authoritarians. Ezra Levant is our guest. I'm Alex Jones. And you better damn believe this is the resistance. This isn't a simulation. This is the real world. And we're for real. And we're fighting for all of our futures together. <laughs> 
Oh, he's such a showman. I love it. <laughs> but do you like being someone listening to this? I would be like, yes, I am a part of this yeah. movement, right? And make you feel really good. Yeah, I'm so it goes, right Well, now. no, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where um, it's like people are experiencing. I guess more troubles than their life. Um, but there's, there's structural issues. Like I'm saying more inequality. He's giving them a mission. Yeah. And he's, he's making them want to, you know, get up and fight, but for fascist purposes, (laughs) which is the problem. And, and someone that feels, um, disillusioned, you know, disengaged from reality and trying to find hope and meaning, I would, probably listen to that and be like yes i want to be a part of this this is the real world i gotta like fight for this right yeah and i could get easily sucked into that so yep so ezra then moves into something positive because he he wants to promote like we are winning some battles and there's like good signs on the horizon here in north america antifa millennials they don't even understand what they're doing uh, you know the resistance they don't truly believe in things they're often paid and just told what to chant in hong kong i think a whole new generation of people is being forged with a national identity that's hong kong that believes in freedom and it's actually willing to pay the price they're unarmed remember that they're standing up to the world's second largest military force in the polytechnic university where there was a standoff they were literally making bows and arrows. So again, there's this like the right trying to co-opt the Hong Kong independence movement that we need to be concerned about and cautious and keep our eyes on it. But then there's also this idea that Antifa is being paid. And uh, I haven't gotten my Soros check yet. Ezra then starts praising Alex as uh, a skeptic. I, I want to be on the alert and I want to be a skeptic and... One of the things that I think people like about your style is that you're a universal skeptic. And we live in an age where we have too little skepticism. And we should all be more skeptical about the official narrative, about about our betters. And I think that uh, the Epstein story is proof that skepticism is warranted, especially with dealing with powerful people. But the fact that truth is getting out even about secrets like that I, it gives me a flicker of hope is what I'm saying. No, no, I agree. And I need to get more into the positive things. I, I talked about that yesterday instead of the negative. I just and can't. You got be- to raise the alarm. Your job is to raise the alarm. But, but I can imagine that that's a heavy burden because you're under attack all the time and you see the dangers everywhere. But I- We're going to get back to the skepticism thing in a second because he, he talks about universal skepticism. But then he moves from that to talking about how Alex is basically a scientist. <laughs> yes. And again, Alex cannot pronounce Ezra's name for some reason. So it's like Elzala. Like Ez- Ezra-la. Ezra. 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 <laughs> Ezra Levant is our. Levant. You're so familiar with his work. I see all the great work he and his crew do. And I'm like, we gotta get this guy on more often. So I just wanted to. Getting back on the show, he had a lot of issues he wanted to get into. I want to hit a few more of those. So Ezra might be a recurring segment. <laughs> oh, I never imagined that this would be happening. He's a hardworking guy. He's about to do another interview himself. But I want to just invite him when he's got big breaking news to contact the producers and come on anytime you want on this show or the other shows. I love coming on some of the broadcasts that you guys do. And, you know, it's precious out there, the independent media we've got. Everybody else is only on these platforms 
Uh, and as that's taken away, everyone's being silent. So people are asking how I was taking, you know, being the first guy to be totally deplatformed a year and a half ago. And I said, listen, it's a beta test for all of you. And I knew because the Wall Street Journal had a big 30-something page report saying how good it was, how they'd been at this big tech meeting, and how News Corp was going to work with them to silence all the competition in the next few years, starting with Alex Jones and uh, Julian Assange. And I was like, here's the battle plan. People are like, oh, how are you taking it? And I'm like, how am I taking it? They're coming around for everybody. And I, and I, and I bring this up with the Nazis because it's how authoritarians work. Everybody, everybody overuses the Nazis for this or that, but this is what the Nazis did. They were smart at first putting people in ghettos and then taking their businesses away and then only arresting certain people. And if you didn't say anything, you wouldn't go until finally there was nobody left. And that's how this tyranny's rolling in. But now it's becoming system-wide. How do you think we counter that? Well, I think the first thing is just to point out what we've become numb to. You know, it's it's the Overton window. It's the frog staying in the water as it slowly boils alive. Let me give the example of the TSA. When the TSA came into effect, searching everyone, patting everyone down, those little humiliations, it was really shocking. Well, here we are almost 20 years later, and that's now considered normal. And what was an extreme personal physical invasions of our of our privacy, we, we've accepted that. We the adapt, that we evolve you, into the slavery. It's it's conditioning. It's we're being conditioned to accept it. And the idea that you who I mean you've got spicy opinions, yeah, that's <laughs> that's America. That's free debate. Uh, we need dissidents. Curiosity and skepticism are the essence of journalism. They're the essence of science. To be skeptical, that comes from the Greek word to, to, to observe, to sense. And the idea, five years ago, if you had uh, told people Alex Jones is going to be deplatformed simultaneously by every medium uh, and retrospectively to turn him, to unperson him historically, it's like what the ancient Romans did, damnatio memoriae, they would literally scrape off pictures of... Uh, you know, emperors or family members, they unpersoned. Names off of, uh, the Egyptians did it too. They would strike the names from the obelisk and from the uh, monuments. Yeah, and- I'm sorry, does he think he deserves a No, internet, that's the free place. I mean, Google told us, don't be evil. Do they think they deserve a statue? Is that what they're trying to- Since they came for you and no one really squawked, well, now they'll go for the next guy and then the next guy. And and pretty soon they're going to come from Don, for Donald Trump himself. They're, they're doing that whole, like, first they came from the, from yeah, the I and I did nothing. Over Alex Jones being booted from the internet. Like, that's... And, yeah, like, do they think that they're so special that, like... Yeah, well, they, they're their, talking their about these, like... scraped from the, the <laughs> record. They're, they're going to scrape their names off the tomb. And the, the comparisons, too, what they're talking about is people who've, like, gone to conflict with their family and was like, we're going to remove you from the tomb because you've disgraced our family, right? Rather than... Well, I'm, my guess, I don't know... That's what they were saying. Yeah. They were saying, oh, families would remove other members off of... And they were all royal graves, right? Like that. uh, that's that's even how worse that is <laughs> the comparison. I'm like, what? Who do you guys think you are? <laughs> I mean, the whole thing about I mean, he called it at first universal skepticism. What Alex is doing, and like by definition of that term, like what universal skepticism is, is basically you're skeptical about everything, which is uh, not good because that not, would be like I'm skeptical, skeptical that order. like 
Well, anyone who like drives a car constantly is not skeptical that the car is going to get them from A to B. Like occasionally you'll break down, but it's pretty reliable, right? You're cool with that. Universal skepticism would be like you're constantly on like could it break down? It might break down, and like you're constantly worried about how things are going to turn out because yeah. you constantly doubt things. Yeah, they have like paranoia, which is not good. Like yeah. paranoia, not good. Uh, but then he says that skepticism is the essence of science. But yes, like rational skeptic skepticism is like scientific skepticism is okay where you like you doubt far-fetched claims because there's no evidence to support it yeah like, like that kind order. of skepticism is good but that is clearly not the kind of skepticism that alex is involved in which is very credulous and he just accepts nonsense including the the shit that he peddles i'm sorry so there's not reptilians in the government <laughs> we what he had uh one of the advertisements i didn't play it was sort of like dna force and it was like about how like it reshapes your mitochondrial DNA. Like... <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I'm for it. So it's like yeah, the, for Ezra to be like praising him and saying, "Oh, you got spicy opinions." Yeah, some of those spicy opinions is allowing an overt anti-Semite to come on your show, but also like reptilians and <laughs> David Icke, like. It's not, it shouldn't just be like, ah, eh, you got some spicy opinions. Like, you shouldn't associate with these people. But the another thing, though, too, is like, it's just these groups think that they are free from any sort of consequence when they say certain things. Yeah. And like, when, a consequence, when I think people hear the word, they think of like an extreme, like they're going to be jailed for saying certain things. And that's not what we're talking about. What we're Why talking about. You give the right to YouTube. <laughs> sure like people don't want to put you on like yeah like you like you're saying like it's not a public good it's not like housing right like they're right. not taking your fucking house away because you said something bad if they're just saying like you're promoting untrue false claims that we all don't want spread out because it's dangerous and therefore we're going to not have you access on this this site it's very simple it's like if i entered a, a company in business and i wasn't promoting that business the business wants to be promoted they can get rid of me right so yeah. it's it's very simple like it's not that big of a deal either but what, what i'm trying to get at is when they hear consequence they think of like the Nazis coming and putting them in ghettos because that's what he that's what he did. He did a comparison where it's like the left is coming for me and rounding all the right up into ghettos and they're going to burn us next. Which, like, which is the amazing thing because they simultaneously use the example of Nazis to make their points about their own being silenced from these social media yeah. platforms. Meanwhile... They support Nazis. They're supporting Nazis. Exactly. And another thing too is sure, you can go ahead and call people names and chase them down and stuff. But do you think people are not going to fight back when you do that? Like I'm supposed to just be like, freedom of speech. Oh, fuck. I guess I just have to be still and let you like violate me. Like that's just what I don't understand is like, what did you think is going to happen in those situations? You go and you say a speech that promotes um, anti-Semitism, maybe promotes like white supremacy, whatever. And you think that people in the audience are like can't get upset, like they have a barrier over them. Oh, freedom of speech! Well, you got. I mean, that's the weird thing about it. That it's is almost like they feel like they feel like they're entitled to the speech, and you should be prevented from stopping them. Like, yeah. so it's like they think that you're not a. You have to listen to them, so you're not even allowed to yell, protest, any of that, because that's. That's anti-free speech. But really, they're anti-free speech for telling you not to like... The worst, too, is they care noise. so much about democracy. But that is de demo 
democracy in itself. If you have enough people coming out saying, we don't want to hear this, we don't agree with that, that is society. A group of people have decided, made a choice, they came together, took collective action to say, we don't want that in our society. And that in itself is a form of uh, democratic action, yeah. right? And like, it's just, it's funny. It's funny how they like twist things to make it seem like, democracy is falling apart. <laughs> we are being censored, right? The new world order is happening. People wake up, right? But it's, it's, it's really not. It's they, they literally want to be handheld while trying to further oppress, degrade and belittle certain groups of people. And I just don't. That's, that's the essence of their, their quote unquote democracy is to tell other people what they should do. So like I just, no pornography, you... women's rights out the window, LGBTQ people, gone, Islam, gone, right? And to close it all off, we'll play one last clip. Right on. Well, I mean, you, you're a high-energy man, and you've got a lot of batteries, and you're fighting hard. And I believe that we all ought to be skeptical. And I wish more journalists remembered that curiosity, skepticism, being a dissident, that's part of being a journalist, and not just party lines. So I thank you for giving me the, the platform for the last hour, and I wish you luck in fighting for, for freedom, especially free speech, the strategic freedom upon which all other freedoms are based. Well, Mr. Levan, you do a great job at rebelnews.com, and that's why I want to invite you back more often here. Uh, it's, 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 it, it, I sleep better at night knowing you and your great organization, your crew, the people can find there, uh, are doing so. Everybody spread the word about rebelnews.com. Thank you, and God bless. Yep. <laughs> There's going to be possibly more to come. And... Uh... That's it. And yeah, they, they close off on the same shit that we're going on about. Free speech is the most important. It's the bedrock, right? It's the bedrock, right? Freedom of speech was developed so people could speak out against governments, not individuals. Freedom of reminder. speech is a thing that Nazis have been arguing about since the 40s, college 30s. campuses existed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I like free speech as a liberal person, but uh, I don't think that free speech means that you are guaranteed a platform on YouTube or Twitter. But yeah. It's just me. <laughs> We're going to introduce a new segment now. Which is that, Kate, because, you know, often we, we do things that are kind of quasi-depressing, like the rise of fascism around the world. And it's nice to get close on a positive segment where we're just going to tell people about things that you can do to make the world a better place or things or causes that are going on that you should be yeah. aware of. Yeah, well, I guess for this week, it's more so just talking about a little bit of hope. You know, yeah. a little bit of resistance that's actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just makes me feel really good. Um, specifically, I just want to talk about like the Ontario Secondary School teachers. They're on strike right now. Um, so Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, OSSTF, um, is doing rotating pickets currently against the Ontario government. Mm -hmm. And I think the reasons that they're striking are just fantastic um so one of their top bargaining demands in their bargaining notice was that they want the government to roll back bill 124 and so this is just a it's a bill that proposes that public employees cannot get above a one percent increase that doesn't just include wages it also includes monetary benefits 
Um, and it has a retroactive effect. So if you've actually gained benefits that go above that 1% within the three years, they could potentially be taken away from you at the bargaining table once that bargaining period um, it, it begins, right? And, and people, I just I want to say yeah. this, people always make it about the teachers just wanting money. And people don't think that these things actually have an effect outside of teachers so it helps other bargaining units well the reason yeah i was about to get to that yeah so the reason why they're pushing so hard for this is because it does affect a lot of unions in canada so we actually see that private sector unions have decreased in canada there's a lot of deunionization within the private sector but public sector workers have stayed relatively really strong and so this is going to affect a lot of the unions across canada um well in ontario specifically And it will actually affect me, who is a public employee and is going into bargaining in the summertime. So I would really like this to get pushed back because I need some more money, right? (laughs) And like, because here's the thing is like, contrary to the the teachers, like they they make at least a decent salary. The TAs don't make Oh my gosh. And a lot of our members would go to the food bank and yeah. Exactly. So when you say you want money, you're not saying because you're like rolling in the dough. It's more of like, I can't afford food. That's (laughs) exactly what it is. Like, yeah, I need to pay rent. Uh, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. But it's not just about money. Um, they're also having other bargaining demands that are just fantastic for helping students and the quality of education that they're receiving. So one of the things they want to do was reduce class sizes. So Stephen Lecce, who is the education minister of Ontario, he's also my MPP for fuck's sakes, right? <laughs> like he's just fucking horrible. Um, he's just some... Mamone means mama's boy that pretends like he's super fucking Italian. I don't think he speaks a lick of Italian and uses that to his advantage because he's in a riding with a bunch of Italian immigrants. Um, I think that's the only reason he got elected, to be honest. He had a hashtag, nonos for leche. Bullshit. He reduced the class size from 28 to 25, but the teachers are still not satisfied with that because I think that's kind of where it was near before, but they're saying we want even smaller. We're not just going to, you know, get what we had before. We're going to even push further past this, which is fantastic because smaller classroom sizes help kids. They help with their learning. It gives teachers the opportunity to have one-on-one time with those children and help with kids that are really struggling get caught up with the rest of the class. And so I think that's fantastic because it has nothing to do... I mean, there is being overworked and overexhausted um, with that, but I think it's also about the kids and the quality of education they're receiving. And I think parents would really support that and like that as well. Although I do hear some people on the far right saying, well, I... uh, uh, when I went to school, we had like 40 kids in our class and they did it. And I was like, well, yeah, you didn't pass high school. So uh, <laughs> it's like, a lot more competitive now. How dare you try to improve things going forward? I know. It's really weird. And lastly, one thing that they've highlighted is the elimination of like online courses or at least the reduction of it. So uh, Stephen Lache has agreed that he is going to reduce it, but they still want to push for- further on that. And again, this is all about the students. It has actually Actually nothing to do with the teachers because doing online courses is much easier than um, in-person instruction. Much, much more easier for high school teachers to put together an online course. It's They're doing this because they know it actually improves the lives of high school students because having that one-on-one interaction where they can ask questions, build a report with that teacher as well, um, develops better, better learning and comprehension as well as grades, right? So yeah. I think that's just really great. And I think it's good because... 
I mean, teachers do go on strike more often than other public sector employees, but I've just been finding in the labor movement that there isn't a lot of movement in terms of strike. And there's actually research on this where we're noticing that in Canada, where we have the lowest rates of striking unions and I, and well, not lowest rates. I mean, it's lowered dramatically within the last couple of decades, which isn't okay because it's actually saying that we're not as radical for getting the things. It's not, it's not a reflection that we're getting everything at the bargaining table. It's reflecting the fact that we're not radical enough to go out there and fight for well, what we want. Uh, yeah, not taking I, I would risk. say there's like fear as well because of the the uh, back to work legislation and stuff that's being forced on people and there's court cases. And stuff I actually looked are, this up. Yeah. So federal government alone in the last decade has enacted 20 pieces of back to work yeah. legislation. That's insane. And I think there's 76 across all provinces together. 76. That's So I, I understand that fear, but I do think that um, the left needs to start taking a little more risk, start yeah. amping up. So I really love it. There's already work to rule campaigns that were in the motion, and now they're just amping it up with these rotating pickets. Me and Jody, we went on the picket line on, what was this? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Uh, and that was, it was good. Like, I mean, it was really chill. I would have liked some more chanting and some singing, but like, <laughs> other than that, it was, it, it's just. My daughter had a sign that said, I'm more mature than Stephen Lachey so Lachey yeah yeah yeah. no I mean she is um so (laughs) I don't like Stephen Lachey um I know it's not like super positive because they're on strike they're not exactly getting what they want but I think it's exciting that we're moving towards more direct action we're actually taking some risk and some chances to actually improve the lives of working Canadians as well as students which is it's just great and there's going to be more. So like, there's a, a strike that's happening on the 11th, which is this coming Wednesday. Yep. But uh, it's only in certain school districts. So it's not happening in London. Oh, I uh, know But that. it'll be at uh, other locations. So my guess is they're going to be rotating. So CUPW, which is the Postal Workers Union, they did a similar thing where not every... So it's not like every postal worker in every city was on strike. They yeah. had it was like London for a couple of days and then it was like yeah. Ottawa. But yeah, overall, yeah, keep showing this is up. good. Yeah, fight the good fight. Positive thinking. <laughs> Optimism. <laughs> so if you enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash News. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. I just created an Instagram account. I think we are News Imperial because that's what it gives me. Imperial, that is news. (laughs) We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up and you can find the link over on our Twitter. I also want to say that both the Discord and Facebook group uh, are starting to get a bit more populated. And so there's a few more conversations that are occurring, which is good. But uh, the more people, the more that can happen. So please join up and uh, have some fun. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news.gmail.com and I will get to some of them at the end of each show if we have any. I would also like to thank my friend Mason Tuggle who provided the Star Wars-inspired transition beats. He has an album. You can find it at striadam.bandcamp.com. So thank you for listening. And to my reptilian overlords, when the mission to destroy humanity is finalized, we will meet you back on Alpha Centauri. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.